Well, what, what, what you might not know is that many, many years ago, when I was a lot younger, and he probably was too, Robert used to be my boss. And he would tell me, Paul, do this and do that, and I would do that, because he, he was paying the wages and all the rest of it. Um, but I want to tell you, things have changed. <laughs> good morning, church. Really good to be here this morning. Wasn't worship fantastic this morning? Yeah, it was good. God's good. God's worth all, uh, all our praise and worship. This morning, I'm going to be continuing on our series in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles with you, either on your device or on your phones, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, I was talking with the team down the back, and they said, uh, uh, have you got a PowerPoint? And I said, well, I'm not really doing PowerPoints just lately for two reasons. One is... I like the flexibility of just being able to jump around and PowerPoints are limiting. The second thing is it's if you have all the scripture up on the PowerPoints, it's an excuse for you not to bring your Bible with you. And we, we should be really familiar and love the word as well. So Matthew chapter 8, and what I want to do as we go through Matthew chapter 8 this morning is pick up, it's a great opportunity for us to pick up and look at one of the themes that runs right through the gospel of Matthew. And that is the theme of Christ's authority. And you'll see, that, you'll see this as you read through the Gospel of Matthew. You'll see that it continually um, demonstrates the authority that Christ has. And if you remember right back at the very first talk I did on the uh, very first verse of the Gospel of Matthew, I said that uh, at the very beginning of it, uh, the writer, the Apostle Matthew, makes three claims which for Jewish people at the time, who, if they weren't believers, would have been incredible claims to have been made. And um, Matthew says that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the one that has the authority to save. And then he says that Jesus is the son of David, and he is the only one that has the claim to sit on the throne of David and to be the king of God's kingdom and have the authority of God's kingdom. And then he says that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And he is the only one that has the authority to fulfill all the promises of Abraham. So right at the very start of the Gospel of Matthew, it describes the authority that Jesus has. And then when you go right to the end of the, of the Gospel of Matthew, which I'm looking forward to, hopefully I'll get to preach on that at some stage. And we're not going to go into this in too much detail because it, it's such a powerful set of scriptures. It's called the Great Commission, but there's so much we can learn from this. But at the very start of it is the last thing that uh, Matthew wrote about, was, wrote about was the declaration that Jesus made. And he said, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus saying about himself. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. What does that word all mean? Yeah, so Jesus has authority over everything. There's nothing that he does not have authority over. And some of you need to actually listen to that. Jesus has authority over everything. 
Yeah. There, and Paul reiterates that in, the, in Ephesians uh, 2, I think it is, where he says that Jesus has all things under his feet. Jesus has all authority. And the next two words are incredible. Because Jesus then says, therefore, go. Therefore, go. And it's the actual implication of those two words is Jesus saying, I've got all authority and I invite you to partner with my authority and go. And you can operate out of the authority that I have as you partner with me. So not only do we learn in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus has all authority, but we are invited to partner with Jesus in that authority. Is that good news? That's why the Gospels are called good news. (laughs) Okay, so then we come to Matthew chapter 8. Well, actually, um, you were talking about authority. At the end of Matthew chapter 7, we've just been through the Sermon on the Mount, which is one of five discourses, main discourses that Jesus is recorded as saying in the Gospel of Matthew. And we we just come to the end of that, and people listening to Jesus speaking about how kingdom followers or kingdom believers are supposed to live, what their lifestyle is supposed to look like. And then uh, the crowd said, to the, said this about Jesus' teaching. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So the crowds recognize that Jesus had authority. And then we move into Matthew chapter 8 and a little bit into chapter 9. And we see now Matthew recording a demonstration of the authority that Jesus had. When when I referred before about partnering in authority with Jesus, I want to just share a little story around that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I became a Christ follower at the age of 13, thanks largely to my older brother, Tony, who also fellowships here. And and over the next few years, we got to see all the rest of our family and cousins come to the Lord. It was an incredible time. The very last person to come to faith was my father. And I've shared the story before, but it's relevant to today's talk. And he... Uh, he was incredibly resistant. In fact, if we ever brought up the subject uh, of Jesus or Christianity at home, he would get really angry because he did not want to... He was about the most resistant person on the surface of it that I knew. And you, you knew Dad Paul. He's, he's uh, a fairly tough guy. And um, for... When I was about the age of 15, we had this traveling evangelist coming through Rangura where, where I grew up and hosted it at our, our church and a big tent crusade way back in, the, back in the day. Some of you will remember Larry Allen coming around the country when you're sort of my age or older. And, and for some reason, Dad had said to Mum that he was going to come along with her to one of the meetings. Oh, God was at work. Anyway, that, that evening when the meeting was on, uh, we'd all had tea. Dad, Dad was a maintenance engineer for a firm in town and would travel around doing maintenance at various sites around the, around the city. And this particular evening when he had said he was going to come along, 
He, he hadn't come home and he hadn't come home. Remember, we didn't have cell phones back then. We're going back to a different world. Um, and, and it got time, Tony and I were on car parking duty, so we were about to head off to do that, and Mum said, well, that's it, he's not coming. And at that instant, I, I experienced what I now know is the presence of God coming on me powerfully. And it's the first time that I've experienced the gift of faith being activated. And, and I declared out, he will be there. And at that instance, I had absolutely no doubt. There was nothing in, in my mind that would have doubted that. I was just declaring that out, out of the gift of faith that he will be there. And then, of course, we went and did car park duty. So you know, that was actually operating out of the gift of faith right at that point in an instant of time. Later on, just before the meeting start, when I saw mum and dad turn up, I thought, I was absolutely amazed. I didn't believe it. I was no longer operating under the gift of faith. <laughs> and of course, he came to the meeting. Larry Allen actually prophesied over dad and spoke all the things that were going on in his head directly to him, and he gave his heart to the Lord. It was an amazing, amazing thing. But that declaration out of the gift of faith was me taking authority as a partnership with Jesus to see things shift in the heavenly so that they shifted in the natural. And we get to partner with the authority of, uh, that we have in, in Jesus. Some of you may find the word authority have, has a real negative connotation for you. Because you may have been mistreated by someone in authority. If, if you're in that situation and, and what I've started talking about is saying, oh, I don't want to hear any of this, let me just say to you, the word authority is neither bad nor good. What the word authority means is that someone has the power and the permission to act. Well, that's, at least that's my definition. Someone has the power and the permission to act. And if someone has mistreated you uh, under the banner of authority, then that's where they're applying that negatively. And one of the things, you know, Simon brought up uh, the story of the centurion last week in his talk, and he did a fantastic job of the message, even though he referred to Luke more than <laughs> Matthew. But one of the things that we learn out, out of that, that story in the aspect of authority is that the centurion understood one of the godly principles, and that was he had authority over his soldiers because he submitted to authority above him. And I firmly believe that one of the indicators of godly authority is that the person in authority is submitted somewhere. And if, you, you've, if you've got someone trying to have authority over you and they're not submitted somewhere, I'd just say, just ask some questions about whether you want to be under their authority or not. Um, as a company, uh, you know, brother and I own and I'm the CEO. We a number of years ago we put in an advisory board that we choose to submit to. It has made an incredible difference to the company. I run as the CEO, and it's just so freeing having people over you that we choose. To, we don't have to submit to them. They probably wouldn't 
stay as an advisory board if we decided not to. <laughs> but it is just so freeing. It, get, it just gives you such a, a framework. And, and that's the thing about when we are submitted under authority, it actually frees us. It doesn't bind us. Okay, so let's... Um, all that's just preamble. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 8, and we're going to start at verse 14. And what we're going to look at is Matthew has chosen in the, in the rest of this chapter five examples of where Jesus has authority. Now remember, what authority does Jesus have? He has all authority. But Matthew has chosen to identify five examples of that. So we're going to look at those. And then we'll finish by looking at a few of the responses to that authority. So let's, let's start at uh, Matthew chapter 14, where it says, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So the two stories previous to this and this one identify that Jesus has authority over sickness and disease. And Matthew references back to Isaiah 53 where it says that Jesus bore all our sickness and disease, all our infirmities. So Jesus has authority over sickness. Some of us, we just need to have a bit more confidence in that. One of the things that I find really interesting and, and so encouraging about this particular story of Jesus' healing, nowhere was there a reference to Peter's mother-in-law's faith. Now we know faith is the currency of heaven and you need faith for things to happen. But it, as far as Peter's mother-in-law, who was the one who was sick, there was no reference to her needing faith to get received healed. Jesus just came and touched her. And uh, another story that reminds me of that is the story of Lazarus, dead in the grave. He didn't have any faith either. You know, God, God uh, does all sorts of different ways of uh, healing people, and there's all sorts of things, and at times he did reference that people were to be healed according to their faith. But just because you don't feel any faith when you're feeling sick doesn't mean to say that God won't heal you. And if you've been prayed for many times and you haven't experienced healing, don't feel guilty that it's because of your faith. Okay, so Jesus has authority over sickness. Then we go to verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, if you remember the end of chapter 7, 
that Jesus was preaching out of authority, whereas the teachers of the law didn't. This was a teacher of the law. And if you go back to uh, the society of the time, the teachers of the Lord loved their prestige. They, they uh, got their identity, identity from what people thought of them. And so this guy was saying, uh, practically saying to Jesus, I want what you've got so that I'll get a better, better appreciation of people. And what Jesus was saying to him was, hang on a minute. I have authority over your security. I have authority over your identity, who you are. Are you willing to take that authority? Because you may not end up with the prestige that you thought. You may not end up with what you thought you might have. I have the authority over your security if you're wanting to partner with me. Jesus has the authority over our security. In fact, the good thing is that we discover our security in Jesus. Because that's what he has authority over. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead, which I'm not quite sure how that works. I was having a discussion with my son William about this a few months ago. He's saying, what's going on here with this verse? And this is one of the examples where you need to understand the context of the day to understand the scripture. And the thing that would happen at this time when Jesus was, was in Israel was that what would normally happen was when someone died, the funeral took place that day. Not like in New Zealand culture where the funeral might be uh, sometime after the person has passed away. In Jewish culture at the time, the funeral took place at the same, on, on the same day generally. So therefore, scholars believe that the father wasn't dead. Or else, why would the disciple have been there? He should have been at home arranging the funeral then and there. Does it make sense? So what he's really saying is, I want to follow you but I've got stuff in my life that I still want to have occur before I'm ready to actually uh, put you in charge. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying, I have authority over your family, over your relationships, over your lifestyle. Are you willing to have me in charge over that? Jesus has authority over sickness. He has authority over our security. He has authority over our relationships. And, and I just sense that some of you are carrying burdens over relationships, over family, more than you need to. Jesus can be trusted because he has authority. And some of you are thinking about uh, family members and close friends who you just wish things would shift and change in. Do you know that Jesus invites us to partner in his authority? 
And that doesn't mean that we try to take control over people that we're concerned about. It's exactly the opposite. It means that we have the authority to bless. We have the authority to bless. And we can start to speak blessing over, over the people that we're concerned about. Now, obviously, we can go to Jesus and, and talk to Jesus about them and our concerns and worry. But we can, say, we can just start saying, Lord, in the authority that you give me, I speak blessing over their spiritual situation. I speak blessing over their finances. I speak blessing over their health. And in the, as we partner with Jesus in authority, we will see things shift. We will see things shift. Are you enjoying this? Okay, we're down to verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Amazing the water didn't wake him up. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So Jesus has authority over nature as well. Jesus has authority over nature. He has authority over our circumstances. I want to share another story that uh, I've shared before, and this is back in one of the very first dates that Denise and I, I took Denise on. No, it wasn't that romantic. <laughs> um, I used to organise lots of things as a young person, and, and uh, I think we were probably about 17 years old. Uh, might have been about 19 years old, yeah. And uh, I organised this rafting trip down the Ashley Gorge where people would make homemade rafts and go down the, the idea that would travel down the gorge. No health and safety or anything like that back in that day. <laughs> we didn't worry about those things. So uh, I had a, a guy from work I was friends with and he, he came out and joined us. And so on our raft there's... Uh, him, Denise, and myself, and, and we made our raft out of some 20-gallon 20, 20 cans strapped together, and we put some boards across them, and this was our raft. We went into Lee's Valley and, and launched from the, from the bridge there. The very first corner that we came to, on the, sitting on this raft, it's sort of the water turned, turned left as there's this big rock face there, and over we go. We realised fairly quickly that we had not built a great raft. John, you would not have been impressed. <laughs> so we realised we were going to get wet. And we, we carried on down through the gorge. About halfway down in front of us, there's this huge rock in the middle of the river. And the water was going right up over the, over the rock. And we thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. So over we go. Good thing is we were wearing life jackets. I'd thought that much ahead. <laughs> but that was a problem as well. So my mate and I, we go over this rock, we come off. Mate and I uh, swept downstream, but we get out of the water and we, we stand up and we can't see Denise anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, what was happening for Denise is that her foot was wedged between two rocks and the life jacket was keeping the pressure on there and as much as she tried, she could not get a foot free. We couldn't see this, of course. We were standing on the bank. And um, Denise thought, well, this is it. She is here today. As soon as I got on the bank, I couldn't see Denise. I thought, hmm, this is not good. So immediately I prayed probably the shortest prayer I've ever prayed, and I said, Jesus, help! As soon as I did that, Denise popped up out of the water. Um, My friend from work, he wasn't a Christian either, by the way. Uh, and, and we were able to get Denise to the side and deal with all the stuff. And, and the rest of the story is quite, quite fantastic as well of how God intervened. But the key thing is, is for part of what I'm talking about here is, again, it's partnering with Jesus and the authority that we can have over our circumstances. And do you know what I believe happened? I believe that there was an angel standing there waiting to, for me to speak out so that it had permission to act and reach in and bring Denise's foot out from between the rocks. Waiting for permission to act by me to, speaking out of the authority that I had in Jesus. And you know what? It didn't really matter what the words were. I don't think that Jesus' help is as much of a, an authority statement, but it is permission releasing. We can get so caught up in what we, what, thinking what the right words are. Okay, we're carrying on in verse 28. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them a large herd of pigs were feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those ten of the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. So Jesus has authority over sickness. He has authority over our um, security. He has authority over our relationships. He has authority over nature, and he has authority over the demonic. And he invites us to partner with him in that. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for... Uh, quite a few years, and over the years, I've met a lot of Christians who are afraid of the demonic. Yet the Bible teaches us that when we are in Christ, we don't have to be afraid. We partner with Jesus and his authority over the demonic as well. When we are in Christ. Light is more powerful than darkness. 
We don't need to be afraid. We need to be in Christ in partnership with Jesus. The other thing that I find peculiar is that you know, I meet Christians who are afraid of their demonic when they, you know, with partnering with Jesus, they can have authority over the demonic. And yet, in their own lives, they don't seem to be worried about the, the uh, demonic influencing them. You see, the Bible teaches us that if we allow sin to continue in our lives, if we allow unforgiveness of others to continue in our lives, it's just a couple of examples. The Bible's got a whole list of things in there. We're actually giving permission and footholds for the enemy to reach havoc in our lives, and that doesn't seem to worry some of us. You get this tension? But Jesus has given us the authority uh, over, over the demonic. And when it comes to our own personal life, one of the most powerful weapons he's given us is the weapon of repentance. It is an incredibly powerful weapon. And, as, and, and I think as we have been Christians for a longer period of time, we forget this weapon and the value it is to our lives. Although I may be just talking about myself. I need to keep reminding myself. Okay, so we've come across five things that, that the, the writer of Matthew has identified as areas that Jesus has authority over, which are helpful for us in our partnership. And let's look at just a couple of quick things of, of different ways that people responded to this authority of Jesus. And we, if we start with... Um, the story we just shared, and so see how the people responded to Jesus' authority over the demonic. And uh, just again, a little bit of context, the region of the Gadarenes was a bit like saying the region of North Canterbury. And there were 10 cities, we might call them large towns in the region, and it was a, quite a prosperous area. Uh, it was a, a, quite a favoured area of commerce, and, and people who lived there did pretty well for themselves. So that when Jesus came along and, and commanded the demons to go into the herd of pigs that died, these people would have been threatened that their lifestyle was at risk. And here's the thing, whenever you encounter Jesus, whenever you, you allow Jesus to uh, uh, have his authority come and actually represent your life, things will change. Circumstances will not stay the same. You will not stay the same. You will not stay comfortable. These people wanted to stay comfortable. So their response was they wanted Jesus to leave. Go away. We don't want anything to do with you because we want our comfort. And if you want to go after Jesus, if you want to allow him to apply his authority, if you want to partner in his authority, you're going to have times where you no longer feel comfortable. You'll be stepping out of the boat. You'll be taking risks. You'll be feeling as nervous as anything hoping that God responds. You won't be comfortable in it. If you wanted to go after Jesus, this is normal Christianity. But you could say, Jesus, go away. I want to keep my comfort. That is one of the responses. Do you know the really encouraging thing about this? Jesus came back to that region a few months later. 
and records that they brought all their sick out to Jesus to heal. Completely different response. God's grace is so good. God's grace is so good. You might have said, Jesus, go away uh, months ago, but God comes along again and again and again. He says, do you still want to do that? His grace is so good. Then if we go back to the story of, of the disciples in the boat. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. We can see here that the disciples lacked understanding and knowledge about who Jesus was. They didn't understand the authority of Jesus. They didn't understand who he was. They needed to spend more time with him to grow in that. And we, uh, when we encounter Jesus, when we encounter circumstances that need to shift and change, we may lack the understanding that we need to actually know that God can do more than we think possible. Now, one, of the, one of the responses I think we can have we, we, all of us may have said at some stage is, I know God can heal. I don't know if he will heal. I don't know if God wants to heal me. And we can apply that to our circumstances. You know, I know God that can bring a shift and change in this. I don't know if he wants to. And we lack understanding about who God is, that he is a good God, that he wants the best for our future, that he wants to make us more like him and to grow us in our understanding. And we achieve that by spending time with him, getting to know him, getting to know him, getting to know him. And we'll grow in our understanding. But there are times when we will respond out of ignorance, out of a lack of knowledge of who God is. And as the band comes up, the, the last way that we can respond out of here is if we go back to Peter's mother-in-law. And when she received a healing touch of Jesus, when she encountered the authority of Jesus, she responded in service. She immediately got up and served Jesus, which is just an incredible image of worship. It's an incredible image of submission. It's an incredible image of saying, God, I just want, I want you. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want, I want you to be my leader. I want you to be my forgiver. And friends, that is a way that we can respond. That is why I hope that we all respond every time we're meeting with Jesus. Is that good? Just want to invite Lynn, Lynn down briefly. Now, I want to share a couple of stories. We'll, we'll get to Lynn in a second, but um, at Collective Pursuit a couple of years ago, I was, uh, and this is about the authority, understanding our authority in Christ. Uh, Collective Pursuit a couple of years ago, I was lying down here on the floor, spending time with, with God in my imagination, and uh, I was in God's throne room and uh, saw the Father, uh, or felt the father sitting on his throne, inviting me to come up and sit on his lap. So I do that, I sort of, in my imagination, I'm going up and I'm about to sit on the father's 
father's lap to experience whatever I wasn't sure at the time. And as I was sitting down, I suddenly found myself sitting in a rocking chair on a porch of a batch looking out over a beautiful bay, sort of think Northlands-type forestry out over a bay. And there beside me, uh, I felt, was the father sitting in another rocking chair. And, and I looked and I said, I thought you wanted me to sit in your lap. And I felt, felt God say to me, you just have so little understanding of what it means to be in me. That it is nothing like what you think. Then I felt God say, you know, because you're in me, the same authority that I have that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he said, that applies to healing. And so I, I said to God, so what you're saying, was, you know, we're in collective pursuit, not a lot of people there, is that I could get up from here under the authority that you're talking to me about. I could wander around. You'll identify someone to me that needs healing. I could lay my hands on them and, and they'll be healed instantly. And he said, yes. So I nervously got up, <laughs> took a step of the faith and started walking around, walking down towards the the back of the auditorium and uh, Charles Baxter was standing just, just down the back back there now his backstory was that he was on his way to A&E he had had incredible stomach pains for two or three days and was finding it unbearable and was going to A&E and he, he felt God say go to collective pursuit I had no idea of anything around that and I get to Charles and I didn't feel any word of God or any impression I just it just felt the right thing to do and I go put my hand on his stomach and I say be healed in Jesus name he's blind backwards gets up pain's completely gone never came back now I need to say that doesn't happen every time (laughs) that was that was a God bringing revelation into my life situation Uh, that we partner with God in authority and we will see things shift, that Jesus has authority over all things and we can act out of that. Um, another quick story, Lynn, can you come forward? So last time I preached, we invited people up to share words of knowledge and uh, one of those words of knowledge was around feet. So, so Lynn, tell us what was wrong with your feet. So I've had... Um really bad arch sort of I have to get shoes to sort of help me and um, with my work it was it used to be really painful so my husband would um, he'd put a bit of pressure like when I get home I'd put my feet up and he'd put a pressure on it especially my right foot anyway and so the Sunday that Robert mentioned about the foot and there were others that brought up you know widow knowledge and my husband my son were here so we started, you know, asking each other, oh, you know, have we got pains? And then I quickly thought about my foot when you mentioned about foot, so I came down. And um, it's healed. Cool. God's good. Uh, most of you know me. I'm no one special. I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. <laughs> Are you very kind? But... When I say I'm no one special, uh, no different, this, the, the same stuff that I experience, you can experience. 
Same stuff I experienced, you can experience. Let's stand. But God wants to do some stuff with us this morning. I'm going to have a wee chat with, with Paul while the worship team leads us in a song.